at Discount Dumpsters, we offer dumpster rentals in the Dallas-Fort Worth area for every type of project, from small home renovations to large construction sites. Our 20 cubic yard containers are the perfect solution for home or business cleanup projects, roofing projects, even small home remodel jobs. We also have 30 and 40 yard containers for medium-sized homes, season cleanup jobs, or commercial projects. Call us for an efficient and professional solution to your next cleanup job. Visit us at DiscountDumpstersDFW.com. That's DiscountDumpstersDFW.com. Welcome back to Parker Keene's MMA show. This is episode 14. In this week's episode, we are going to break down the fights from last weekend. That was UFC Sao Paulo. Honestly, kind of a snoozer of a card. You know, had a couple highlights, but... Not a lot of action on that one. And then we're going to talk a little bit about BKFC. That's bare knuckle fighting. It's their ninth show in the promotion. It was a rematch between Artem Lobov and Jason Hick Diaz Knight. So we'll dive in a little bit on that. I want to look forward to the huge boxing fight going down this weekend. You've got Deontay Wilder taking on Luis Ortiz. This is a rematch of their fight from about 18 months ago which was really the first time that Deontay Wilder was tested. And it was a great fight, so I'm really looking forward to the rematch on that one. And then we'll dive into some additional just current events in the boxing and MMA world. So here we go. Let's get into it. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now, here's your host, Parker Keene. All right. UFC was down in Sao Paulo, Brazil this past weekend. Honestly, for the UFC, it was, you know, a pretty, pretty weak card considering the depth of the roster and really just kind of seemed like one of those cards that was just there to fill some space you know no huge fights obviously we talked about it last week but you had Jacare moving up from middleweight to take on Jan Blahovich. that was probably the most important fight on the card but that ended up being an absolute snoozer we'll we'll dive into that here in a little bit yeah I mean big winners from the night James Krause looked amazing. He continues to win. I think he's on a six-fight winning streak. You had Cowboy Oliveira got another win, first-round knockout over Jared Cannonier. And then um, the Paul Craig versus Shogun Hua fight, that was a fun fight in the beginning and then turned into you know really just a wrestling match in the second and third round, and that ended in a draw. So we're just going to go over a couple of these fights and then we'll dive into bare knuckle so james kraus he looked really really good he's you know a veteran guy he's been around forever this is his fifth win in a row after coming off the ultimate fighter so yeah james kraus i mean he really dominated sergio marias in pretty much every aspect of that fight sergio marias is a super elite jiu-jitsu guy and James Krause just looked amazing. His striking looked incredible. He was just hurting Marias. Uh, Marias just looked like he had nothing to offer James Krause. So good win for James Krause. I think he had been out for about 18 months, and you've seen a lot of him in more of a coaching role. He corners quite a bit of fighters, so it was good to see him back in there. 
He's always an entertaining fighter and he looked really good, you know, in this last fight. So I think he's probably due a top 10 to top 15 fight at 155. He was hinting a little bit about retiring. Like I said, he's been around forever, but I think he'll keep going, you know, if he can keep this winning streak going. He looks really good. So James Krause, that was the main event of the prelims. He looked really good in that win against uh, Sergio Marias. Next, this was a fun fight. Wellington Thurman versus Marcus Perez. Both Brazilian guys, I believe. Marcus Perez had that awesome Joker outfit at the weigh-ins that kind of went viral a little bit, but... He's kind of a weird guy, uh, super unorthodox fighting style, but always fun to watch. If I see he's on a card, I'll definitely tune in for that fight. But yeah, that was a back and forth fight. That Thurman kid, I think was he's super young. He's maybe 21 or 22 years old, something like that. But yeah, that was a good fight. That was really back and forth. Striking was pretty even. It was 132 total strikes to 103 significant shots, 49 and 48 favoring Perez. Um, and then Wellington Thurman was able to get a couple takedowns, but that was an entertaining fight that was that started off the main card, I believe. Thurman ended up getting the decision win. So yeah, that kid looked good. He's super tough. You know, that that was a fun fight to watch. Next we had Charles Oliveira taking on Jared Flash Gordon. Yeah, this guy, Oliveira, has been on a serious run. Let me look up his record right now. He has the record for most submissions in the UFC with 13, I believe. And he's putting a really, really nice run together at lightweight. He's got, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's won seven of his last eight. His only loss is to Paul Felder, which he got TKO'd back in... 2017 so yeah this guy he's very entertaining to watch he's got a super weird style he kind of fights a little bit like tony ferguson obvious or i mean it's just super unorthodox he can hurt you from anywhere he's super dangerous when the fight goes to the ground so yeah i was looking forward to an early finish by him you know jared gordon's a guy he's got a lot of potential but he just hasn't really realized it yet in the ufc and Charles Oliveira is on a run. You know, I think this should probably get him into the top 10 at lightweight. He's, you know, been looking really good. He's he's finished a lot of veterans. He's finished Clay Guida by submission, Jim Miller, uh, Nick Lentz. You know, he's finished all these guys in the first and second round. So he's on a roll right now. I'd like to see him get the next fight, you know, somewhere in the top 10 yeah, I mean, that guy is looking really, really good. So he wins the performance of the night with that victory, with that first-round knockout on Jared Gordon. So I think he he was one of the big winners on the night. Paul Craig versus Shogun. This is interesting. Um, Shogun, obviously, is a legend. He's been around forever. And Paul Craig's kind of this up-and-coming jiu-jitsu player. And he comes out looking like a world-class striker. I mean, he was piecing up Shogun in the first round, just hitting him with all kinds of crazy shit. He threw a spinning hook kick, I believe, and almost caught Shogun. So dominant first round for Paul Craig. I think he clipped Shogun in the first round and had just a crazy like 25-piece combo. 
but he, he wasn't able to put Shogun away. He landed 54 strikes through the first round. So a crazy, crazy output for Paul Craig in the first round. The second round and on to the third round really turned into just kind of a wrestling and grappling match. You know, it was a pretty close fight. Both guys, you know, had their moments. It ends in a draw. So, yeah, good fight overall. Paul Craig, I think he took this fight on short notice. He only had two or three weeks to prepare. So he said he'd like to have a full camp and run it back sometime, you know, in Scotland, which I think early 2020, they were talking about having a card somewhere in Glasgow, I believe. So that'd be interesting to see those guys run it back. Paul Craig also said he wants to be the one to retire Shogun. You know, he'd like to have the honor of being Shogun's last fight. So yeah, that, that was a good fight. You know, started out super hot and then just kind of turned into a grappling match. So uh, you get a draw there, a split draw. And then Jan Blahovic versus Jacare. Um, so for Jan, he is kind of in the race to get that next crack at the light heavyweight title against John Jones. It was kind of a three-man race between him, Dom Reyes, and Corey Anderson, both of which Corey Anderson and Dom Reyes had spectacular wins Corey Anderson knocked out Johnny Walker in the first round, and then Dominic Reyes knocked out Chris Weidman viciously in the first round. So both of those guys were kind of, you know, pretty close on the performance they had. And then this was Jan Blahovich's statement, time to come and make a statement. You know, he he knocked out Luke Rockhold viciously, and then he gets matched up against another legend from the middleweight division in Jacare Souza, who's moving up. And, um, you know, Jan gets a decision win. It was honestly a, a pretty boring fight. And Jacare can do that to you. He's he's good, you know, everywhere. Obviously, he's incredible on the ground. He's world-class at jiu-jitsu. And I think Jan was just hesitant to let his hands go because he didn't want to get taken down and get finished by Jacare. So it just made for really just a super boring uh, five-round main, main event decision in which Jan won, but um, definitely not going to get him that crack against John Jones. So, yeah, I mean, overall, it was good. Um, you know, Jan Blahovich kept his, his winning streak alive. He's won now six of the last seven, with his only loss being to Tiago Santos. So after seeing what, you know, how Tiago Santos fought John Jones, that's pretty impressive. And he's got wins over Jamie, Jamie Manoa, uh, Jared Cannonier, Nikita Krylov, Luke Rockhold, and now Jacare Souza. So he's really starting to stack up a, a nice resume in the process of you know making a run again towards the light heavyweight title. But I just don't think that performance is going to get it done after everything that Corey Anderson and uh, Dom Reyes have done. And we'll talk about this later, but it's it's really looking like it's going to be Dom Reyes who gets the next crack at John Jones. Um, I think it would make sense for Corey Anderson to fight Jan Blahovich. I think that'd be a great fight. Um, but yeah, that's what it's looking like. We'll talk about the light heavyweight pitcher here in a little bit when we get to current events. Um, moving on next. So this weekend we had Bare Knuckle FC was back in action. Um, I was pretty excited for this card. Um, obviously, we, we talked about it last week, but it was a rematch of Artem Lovov versus Jason Knight. 
Um, this is a fight that went down, I think it was probably a little over a year ago, but it was an absolute just war. It was like the second or third bare knuckle FC card. So it kind of really kind of put the promotion on the map and these guys ran it back. Um, good fight. I actually switched over from the UFC card to tune into this and I caught the last two or three fights. So we'll dive into that a little bit and yeah. So the first fight I caught was Chase Sherman, his nickname the Vanilla Gorilla, taking on Joey Beltran. Both of these guys are former UFC guys. Um, you know, Chase Sherman's a young guy, super tough, and Joey Joey Beltran's kind of a veteran that's been around forever. And he was one of the first guys to make the move over to Bare Knuckle FC. And he's just looked really good. Um, so Vanilla Gorilla was the heavyweight champion. He came out, you know, in this five round fight looking good in the early rounds. He was kind of outboxing Beltran and sticking and moving really good. He's got really good movement for a heavyweight. And then as the fight wore down, he kept taking damage and he seemed to gas a little bit. And Joey Beltran is just someone who is going to be in your face, you know, kind of nonstop. He's a pressure fighter. He never stops coming. You got to put him away. And, and that's kind of what happened. I mean, Joey Beltran just made it an ugly fight, kept the pressure up and was able to just wear out Chase Chase Sherman and, um, you know, just beat him on output and he becomes the heavyweight champion over at bare knuckle FC. So that, that was a pretty good fight, uh, back and forth close for the early rounds. And then Joey Beltran really just kind of took the fight over and, you know, started to run away with it. Um, Artem Lovov versus Jason Knight, um, a much more tactical, fight than than their last fight the first fight was an absolute just bloodbath i mean cuts all over their face blood everywhere just non-stop action for five rounds and jason knight kind of took a different approach on this he he really just outboxed artem he kept him at range better didn't let him get in tight where artem's good um artem to me wasn't as aggressive as he usually is so, yeah, Jason Knight, um, you know, gets gets a nice fifth round KO against Artem in a fight that, you know, I, I thought both guys fought well. They just they fought a lot smarter fight than they did in, in their previous matchup. But, yeah, Jason Knight knocked down Artem, I think, late in the second round and gave him a cut above his eye. And then after that, it was you know, just more of Jason Knight, just kind of outboxing him, staying at range, staying away from Artem's big punches. And then in the fifth round, he hits him with a huge left. Um, I actually saw this twice. It looked like he kind of caught Artem's eye with his knuckle and just kind of exploded Artem's eye and set him down, which I mean, Artem Lovov is as tough as they come. So I, I think that was a, you know, pretty clean shot. Jason Knight gets the knockout win and yeah, I think he's kind of becoming a big star over there at bare knuckle FC. Um, him and Artem, I don't know if they'll run it back for a trilogy fight. I think I would definitely watch that if they did, but yeah, good stuff over at bare knuckle FC. Um, overall their production I think is, is getting 
a lot better. Um, they had a promo for the Iranian Hulk. And if you have not Googled this guy, you need to Google this guy. But apparently, Bare Knuckle FC has booked the Iranian Hulk for a fight debut in 2020. He is this just ridiculous looking guy. I think he's some sort of power lifter or something, but he's about seven feet wide, just brick shit house, all muscle. Looks like he is on all of the steroids. So that's going to be super interesting to see who they can get him to fight. Apparently they're going to advertise it as, um, USA versus Iran, World War Three. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they match up against this freak show. But if you have a chance, Google this guy. He looks – he doesn't even look real. So, um, yeah, Bare Knuckle FC making, uh, making some headlines there. Yeah, overall, I thought it was a good card. So, Bare Knuckle FC, you know, they're going to keep rolling along. Um Okay, so that was all for last week and kind of a slow weekend in fights, honestly. Like I said, the UFC was kind of a letdown. Uh, Bare Knuckle FC always puts on exciting fights, but no huge names there besides, you know, Artem and Jason Knight. Um, coming up this weekend, a little light on the MMA. Uh, Bellator has a card with Michael Venom Page headlining. That's. You know, anytime Michael Venom Page is fighting, that's must-see TV. Um, initially, he was slated to fight Derek Anderson, who's a Bellator vet. Um, but he was forced out due to an injury. And this Italian named, what is his name? Meliano steps in on short notice to fight Michael Venom Page, which sounds like a disaster. Um, anyway, this Italian guy is 13-4-0. He's making his Bellador debut. And yeah, I, I really I, th- I think this is just Bellator trying to build Michael Venom Page up and just get some vicious knockouts against people no one's ever heard of. Um, so that's what I'm anticipating for this weekend. Michael Venom Page is obviously one of to me one of the most talented and just flashy fighters you know especially at belt at welterweight right now he's i mean he can do it all he's very entertaining he talks a lot of shit he does flashy shit flying knees spinning back fist you know ground and pound taunting you while he's on top of you beating your face in uh so he's he's must must watch tv anytime he's on unfortunately he had a you know pretty big rise in bellator that was put to a halt when D- Douglas Lima uh, viciously knocked him out in that welter welterweight tournament. So I think Bellator is just trying to build him back up, get his confidence back up, get him a couple wins with a couple you know nasty knockouts, and then they're going to be forced to you know start matching him up against the big dogs again. So yeah, um, he's headlining this card. It is going down in London, I believe. Yep. At the SSE Arena, London, England. Um, I'm sure that will be probably like a midday card. So, yeah, um, definitely tune in. If you haven't seen MVP fight, he's unbelievable. Super talented. And you can definitely predict a knockout, early knockout by Michael Venom Page. 
Um, the big fight this weekend that I am just pumped for is the Luis Ortiz versus Deontay Wilder. This, this is a huge, huge fight in the heavyweight division. We've talked about it in the past, but right now heavyweight boxing is, I mean, as good as it's ever been. This is probably, you know, as good as it's been since kind of Mike Tyson era, but you've got Deontay Wilder. You've got Tyson Fury, you've got Andy Ruiz, and you've got Anthony Joshua. So all four of those guys are are going to be kind of battling out here over the next you know couple of years. But um, yeah, super super pumped for this one. But Luis Ortiz is he's kind of that guy. He's kind of the boogeyman of the heavyweight division. He's this Cuban fighter with a crazy crazy amateur record. Um, I looked it up earlier today. His amateur record is 343 wins and 19 losses. Um, you know, he's 40 years old. That is just unbelievable experience. So, yeah, the first fight was super close. Um, you know, Ortiz was winning the early rounds. He was just outboxing Wilder and he hurt him bad in the seventh round, I believe, and almost put Wilder away. This is really the first time that Wilder has been tested. Um, for sure. It's the first time he had been hurt. You know, he's, he's now 42 and zero with 40 knockouts. So he's got a crazy pro record. Um, but yeah, so their first fight, it was really a big test for Wilder because he was able to overcome the adversity. He got, dominated in the early rounds and then hurt in the seventh and comes back and clips Ortiz in the 10th and puts him away. Um, Wilder is one of my favorite fighters to watch just because it only takes one punch for him to put you away and change the fight. Um, you know, you saw that in the Victor, the Luis Ortiz fight. You saw it in the Tyson Fury fight. I mean, he can get outboxed for 11 rounds and knock you out dead in the 12th round. So, yeah, he, he's one of my favorite boxers to watch right now just because he has that just one punch knockout, you know, similar to like a Mike Tyson or what we're seeing with Francis Ngannou right now in MMA. He's just super dangerous. And um, I heard him say in an interview earlier on today when I was uh, reading up on this fight, you know, his his opponents have to be perfect for 12 rounds. He has to be perfect for one second. And, I mean, that's totally true. If you're going to beat Deontay Wilder, you have to be on your P's and Q's for 12 rounds. You can't fuck up one time or you're going to sleep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this fight. I think it's going to be a great fight. Um, the promos for it. Luis Ortiz is looking in incredible shape. Um, that was kind of the story of the last fight is, you know, he kind of blew his load, so to say, um, in trying to knock Deontay out when he had him hurt in the seventh round. And he just was really never able to get his gas tank back. And he got clipped and then eventually put away. So, um, yeah, he's looking absolutely jacked. I mean... So I, I'm really this for some reason, this fight is just kind of flying under the radar. I don't know why, because this is to me, I mean, this is a huge fight. 
Wilder obviously has that rematch set up with Tyson Fury. I think it's set for the 22nd of February. Um, but if he can't get past Ortiz, all that goes to shit. And, you know, boxing, you have one loss, everything changes. And it's not like that in MMA, but that's the reality of boxing. So, you know, to keep everything rolling along, um, Wilder's got to get this done against Ortiz. And I'm really looking forward to this fight. This is going to be... Yeah, I think this is going to be a great one. So, obviously, this is this weekend. And then I think two weeks from now, you've got Anthony Joshua taking on Andy Ruiz in a rematch after Andy Ruiz shocked the world and knocked out Joshua. So, heavyweight boxing, to me, is great right now. It's super exciting. You've got really, really good characters, you know, great boxers. Um, So, yeah, I'll be tuning in this weekend. But that's a huge fight over in the boxing world. Um, let me see. Okay, that's pretty much it on the fights this weekend. So MVP fighting in Bellator and then the big boxing matchup. Um, let's jump into current events. Um, current events, I picked out, you know, a couple things that kind of caught my eye in the fight world this week. And I wanted to just run through them. So Light heavyweight in the UFC is really starting to heat up. You had John Jones calling out Dominic Reyes, saying that basically Dominic Reyes impressed him the most, and that will be his next matchup, which I love that fight. You know, Dominic Reyes is a guy that's very similar in stature to John Jones. He's got the length, he's got the reach, he's got the athleticism, he's undefeated. So at the moment, I, I think it probably is the most dangerous fight that John Jones can take at light heavyweight. We've talked about it before, but light heavyweight is super young right now. And I thought he would give it a little more time and let it play out. But it looks like he's moving forward with Dom Reyes. And the word on the street is that it's going to be Houston, Texas, I believe February the 8th. Uh, probably going to try to shoot down for that one. But you've got... <clears throat> They are anticipated to headline. And then you also have Derek Lewis got booked to fight uh, Alir Latifi at heavyweight. So two great fights already for that card in February. Um, so with that being said, um, you know, I, I still, even though Dom Reyes has looked really good, he's undefeated. I still don't think he's ready for John Jones. Um, to me, John Jones could just take the fight to the ground and absolutely dominate him. I just don't think Dominic Reyes is on that level. If he chooses to strike with him like he did with Tiago Santos, it could get interesting, but still I think John Jones is just superior and he's just going to be on a run. I don't think anyone's going to be able to touch him right now at light heavyweight. Um, My biggest hope was, you know, maybe Johnny Walker just because he had that, kind of freak element where something could come out of nowhere and clip John Jones and hurt him and maybe catch him by surprise. But I just don't see any of these guys beating him right now. So yeah, I think that's going to be the next fight for John Jones. Um, besides that, you know, Corey Anderson, John Jones were going back and forth. Um, Corey Anderson obviously had a spectacular knockout against Johnny Walker, but I just don't think he's a big enough name yet, even though he's, you know, put a lot of good wins together at light heavyweight. Um, And his style is 
you know, people say a little more boring. You saw what he did to Johnny Walker, but I, I just think Dom Reyes is a more interesting fight right now. So I could see Jan Blahovich and Corey Anderson matching up. I think that'd be a great fight. Um, Anthony Smith is wanting to make a comeback. Obviously, he hasn't fought since the Gustafson fight where he retired Alexander Gustafson. So it'd be interesting to see him back in the mix. He's super, super elite fighter. Um, I love watching him fight. You know, his only f- loss in the last couple of years is to John Jones. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think here in the next six months or so, light heavyweight's going to start really heating up. Um, but, yeah, I think John probably will fight Dom Reyes, and then he'll fight, you know, either Corey Anderson, uh, Anthony Smith, or Jan Blahovich. And then after that, I think he's going to make the move to heavyweight. Or, you know, Israel Adesanya is going to come up and challenge him at light heavyweight. So I think he's got probably two more fights with kind of these up-and-comers. And then after that, he's just going to go start looking for super fights. So that's kind of the state of the light heavyweight division. Um, this was another super interesting kind of development over the week. But you had Darren Till and Robert Whitaker going back and forth. Um, Darren Till calls him out on Twitter, basically says... I'm ready to fight now. Fuck injuries. Fuck time off. Fuck it all. Where are you at, Rob Whitaker? MMA? Need to know basis. And then gorilla emojis. Uh, goes on for a little bit. Darren Till responds again. He goes, it's currently 8.42 a.m. in Melbourne, Australia. Why aren't you returning my calls, Rob? I know you're awake. And then a couple minutes later, Rob Whitaker chimes in. Sorry, mate, was pumping iron. See you in London at McMaynard, who's the matchmaker for the UFC and at UFC. So Rob Whitaker verbally accepts a fight against Darren Till at middleweight. Um, That's a huge fight. I love everything about that fight. So I'm really hoping that that materializes here in the next couple weeks. I think that London card is supposed to be sometime in February. Um, I believe I heard that maybe mid-February, mid to late February. So, yeah, I mean, Darren Till, I don't think he had any major injuries coming off of that uh, decision win to Kelvin Gastelum. And then Robert Whitaker, I think, is itching to get back in there after he got knocked out and lost his title. So I think this is a huge fight at middleweight. This is, to me, um, this will be the next fight for Israel Adesanya. This is kind of the number one contender fight. Um, it's looking like Israel is going to fight Yoel Romero. And then he would have to fight the winner of this fight next. So, yeah. Um, love that fight at middleweight. Really, really hope to see that go down. Um, what else? Oh, uh, four years ago last week was Holly Holm versus Ronda Rousey. Um, kind of cool milestone. Obviously, Ronda Rousey was at the top of the world, and her and Holly Holmes headlined this card in Melbourne, Australia. It was in front of 56,214 people, and Holly viciously knocked out Ronda Rousey. Um, man, that was a huge fight, huge moment in the UFC, and was really kind of the downfall of Ronda Rousey, who 
you know, really put women's MMA on the map. So yeah, that was, that was, um, four years ago already. That's time has definitely flown by, but, um, you know, Holly, Holly Holmes remained active. Um, yeah, that was back at UFC 193, November 15th of 2015. After that, Ronda got knocked out again by Amanda Nunes, who's now kind of the women's MMA goat. I think, um, you know, after she had beat Ronda, she beat Cyborg, um, she beat Holly Holmes, she beat Valentina Shevchenko, she's beat Misha Tate. Yeah, so that, that was a big, big marker uh, four years ago. The Nick Diaz update, um, we talked you know, in quite, you know, quite a bit about that last week. Um, still a little follow up on that. I, I thought more about that and I'm still kind of torn on that. Obviously I want to see Nick Diaz back in the UFC. He hasn't won in the UFC since 2011. He's never fought in the Reebok era. So it'd be very interesting to see Nick Diaz wearing Reebok and, you know, just back in the mix at, welterweight middleweight whatever um i don't i don't know i'm just kind of torn on this i was i've just been thinking about it a little more you know over the last week um i wanted to kind of look at you know welterweight top 10 as it is right now and just see who do i think for sure nick diaz could get a win against um Steven Thompson, I think that'd be an interesting fight. But I think, you know, Steven Thompson's a better striker. He's number 10. Anthony Pettis, I think that'd be a fun fight. Maybe similar to the fight that his brother Nate just had. Um, Robbie Lawler, Nick's got a win against him way, way early in their career. Maybe 12, 15 years ago. But that'd be a fun fight. I mean, that's kind of... Two legends, two big names that you could put together. Um, I think that'd be a big draw. Robbie's coming off of one, two, three losses. But I still think that's, you know, a fight you could mark it as, hey, this is another bad motherfucker belt fight or something like that. Um, Damian Maya's got three wins in a row. That's an interesting fight. That'd be kind of a back and forth jiu-jitsu fight you know where i don't think nick would take a lot of damage nick's obviously the better striker um both of them are great at jiu-jitsu so that's an interesting matchup um rda at the moment no i think rda would probably just outstrike him nate number five obviously not going to fight nate uh leon edwards you know he's looking incredible right now i think he deserves a title shot um, you know, he's, he really dominated Cerrone, then Gunnar Nelson, then RDA. So I, I don't think that's a fight that Nick wins. Um, Tyron Woodley. Yes. I mean, that would be a fight that would sell, but is that realistic for Nick to win? Um, no, probably not. <laughs> George Mosvidov. I, I think that's the only fight right now that makes sense because George, he has pretty much three options. Either take the fight, the rematch with Nate Diaz, Nick's younger brother, take a big super fight with Nick Diaz that 
really isn't going to mean a lot for rankings or anything like that. It would just be a big money, big payday fight for him, which I think George would definitely do. Or three, wait and go after the 170-pound title, you know, after Colby and Kamaru Usman get after it. So, out of that top 10, um, you know, Colby and Usman, I don't think those are fights that Nick could win right now, especially after being out for five years. Um, But, I mean, the most doable fight to me is George Masvidal, one. Um, Robbie Lawler, two, or maybe Showtime Pettis. I think those three, you know, Robbie and Showtime Pettis are definitely winnable fights for Nick. Um, uh, Masvidal, I don't know, you know, so maybe he does kind of the Nate route, takes a, a fight against one of those guys. If he gets a win, then he sets himself up for a huge fight. I think that's just a really, really hard spot to come in and fight George Masvidal after the 2019 he had with, you know, vicious knockouts against Darren Till, then Ben Askren, um, then finishing Nate with that cut. So, you know, what would be the biggest fight? To me, obviously, George Masvidal, um, the most winnable fights you're looking at, Robbie or Showtime Pettis. So, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens. Um, like I said, Nick hasn't won since, let me look at his record. His last win in the UFC was against BJ Penn. That was back in October of 2011. Uh, that was fight of the night. Great fight. I actually watched that recently. Um, after that he had, let me see a decision loss to Carlos Condit. That was in 2012. Um, the following year, he lost a decision to GSP. And then two years later, 2015, he lost a unanimous decision to Anderson Silva. So, I mean, his last, you know, three out of his last four fights have been against, you know, some of the greatest fighters of all time. So, um, you know, Nick Diaz, to me, he's a legend. He's right up there, probably in the top 10 to 15 of greatest fighters of all time. Does he have to fight again? No. But if he did, I mean, I think it would sell huge. You know, you saw what kind of numbers his little brother did. And to me, I think Nick's a bigger star than his little brother, even though he's been out for five years. You see, you know, all the interviews and anything with Nick's name tied to it around, you know, Nate's last fight or the interview he did with Ariel last week. I mean, absolutely blow up. Apparently at at UFC 244, um, you know, when Nick was in the corner of Nate or he was following Nate around for the weigh-ins and the walkouts, he was getting the biggest pop. So he's still a huge giant star, even though he's been out five years, even though that, you know, hour-long interview with Ariel didn't make him look like he was totally all there or in the shape to fight. I still think people are going to pay to see it. And it'll be very interesting. Um, You know, a lot of people were kind of questioning where he's at mentally, and I think we'll just have to see. Um, I think it's too early to make that call. If he really wants to fight, we'll see him make a push and start getting the things going. Uh, The biggest hurdle that he's going to have to get over is making a deal with the UFC. 
you know, they've had kind of a rocky past and then figuring out where he's going to get sanctioned to fight. Um, obviously, we've seen, you know, California sanction Chuck Liddell to fight. I believe it's either California or Vegas. So, yeah. Um, yeah, still kind of torn on that. We'll see how this all shakes out. But there seems to be quite a bit of momentum behind him making a comeback fight. And it's looking like George Masvidal. So, That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, Let me see what else went down this week. Oh, Aaron Pico. Aaron Pico uh, came out and said he is making a return at Bellator 238. That is January 25th. He'll be fighting Daniel Carey. So Aaron Pico, super, super talented standout. He's, um, you know, has a lot of potential. He's 23 years old. And was really on the rise. He had four, I think he had four knockouts in a row to four out of five knockouts in a row to start his Bellator career. And then his last two fights have been huge setbacks. So he got knocked out by Adam Borix back at Bellator 244. And then before that, he was knocked out viciously by Henry Corrales in a you know fight that he had hurt Henry Corrales. Henry Corrales came back and just absolutely, I mean, knocked him unconscious. So he's coming off of two, I mean, devastating losses. He's still super talented. He's got a lot of potential. You know, this is someone people were comparing him to being the LeBron James of MMA. You know, a guy that a standout wrestler that gets started really early at MMA has, you know, skills everywhere. And he's had a very, very rocky road the last couple of years. So that'll be very interesting to see how he makes his return. Um, So, yeah, he's back against a guy, Daniel Carey, who's three and two in the Bellator cage. Um, He's coming off a big submission win to knockout artist Gaston Bolanos back at Bellator 226. So that should be a good fight January 25th. Um, I believe that's the sideboard card too. So that'll be a big, big card for Bellator. Let's see what's next. Okay, uh, just real quick. Looks like talks are kind of ramping up with um, Yaya Rodriguez and Zabit. Uh, this is a fight I would love to see. Um, obviously, you've got Max Holloway, the 145 champion, slated to fight Alex Volkanovsky. That is December 14th. And then you've kind of got Yair Rodriguez and Zabit just kind of sitting there. I think they're probably two and three at featherweight. So I think they've been – the UFC tried to match them up before. That was when they had that weird ordeal with Yair. Um, where he was basically released of his contract and, you know, there was a lot of drama for like a week. And then I think they mended the issue and he was re-signed. And ever since then, he's looked really good. And then the last year, year and a half, Zabit has kind of been on the rise at 145. Um, Stylistically, I think that's one of the funnest fights the UFC can make right now at featherweight. These two guys... I mean, that would be an amazing matchup. Um, both of them, you know, I, I think there's questions on with both of them going five rounds, especially Zabit. So I would really like to see them get booked as a five-round main event. That will be, you know, that'll, that'll clear up a lot of questions 
you know, leading into their next fight, which would be the title fight against Max Holloway, who's, you know, one of the greatest featherweights of all time, or Alex Volkanovsky, if he's able to get past Max Holloway. So, yeah, that that seems to be heating up. I see a lot of steam behind that on Twitter. And, um, yeah, that that really, really be a fight that I would like to see. So we'll keep you posted on that. Um, highlights from this weekend, Ross Pearson, veteran of the UFC, gets just viciously knocked out. And some smaller organization, let me see. It was, yeah, he gets viciously knocked out by a tornado kick by Davey Gallen. This was at TK MMA that happened in London last weekend. If you haven't seen this highlight yet, please Google it. This is just crazy. So, yeah, that was a one of the craziest knockouts I've ever seen. Ross Pearson was a great fighter, action fighter in the UFC, and he's just getting older fighting in the smaller organization now and man he gets knocked out viciously so if you get a chance check that out um what do we got next one more big one i want to touch on and then we will go over a couple fights that got booked this week uh ben askren retires uh ben askren came out this week and retired on the ariel hawani show he says that he was kind of on the fence after the damian maya fight about retiring and he found out that he has to get a hip replacement and that there's just no way he can go through that and get back to training. I think he's 35 years old and he's had a long career, both wrestling and um, in MMA. And yeah, Ben Askren, I mean, great, great career, you know, both wrestling and in MMA. He's a Bellator champion. He was a one championship champion um i believe he was he's got the most consecutive title defenses in bellator with four title defenses let me see three successful title defenses and one championships um he's got a just highly highly decorated u.s wrestling career so yeah i mean ben Askren, obviously there was a lot of controversy controversy kind of in his prime, you know, between him and Dana White and the UFC. So he never really got the chance to come over to the UFC in his prime. He has some, you know, great wins outside the UFC, both in Bellator, one championship. Um, those are the main two I think he fought in. Yeah. I think the story was, you know, basically – he just came over too late. It's hard at 35 years old to jump into the UFC and get thrown to the wolves, you know, right away. He came in, made his debut in the UFC in March of 2019, where he had that controversial win against Robbie Lawler, where he got picked up, slammed on his head, and then the shit beat out of him for, you know, 45 to 45 seconds to a minute against Robbie Lawler. He was able to survive and caught Robbie Lawler in a bulldog bulldog choke and got the finish. Um, there was a little bit of controversy. They thought, you know, Herb Dean had stopped the fight a little premature. Uh, you know, whatever you think about that. But uh, bottom line, he gets a win against Robbie Lawler, who is a, you know, stud. We talked about him before, but absolute just savage at 170. Then after that, you know, he gets viciously knocked out with that flying 
knee from George Masvidal. That's, you know, that'll be on every highlight forever, at, you know, around any UFC event. So that was unfortunate. And, you know, then he had that close fight with Damian Maya. It was kind of back and forth fight over that was at UFC Singapore uh, back in October 26. Uh, got the fight of the night, but he loses in the third round via submission rear naked choke to Damian Maya. So, yeah, I mean, for Ben Askren, I mean, there's no shame. He had a great, great career. He was 20 and 0, you know, leading up to his debut in the in the UFC. And the bottom line is I think he was just, you know, he was a little past his prime. He had already retired before, I think, back in 2017, following his last win and one championship against uh, Shinny Aoki. So, yeah, he... You know, he got the chance to come over to the UFC in that trade with Demetrius Johnson, uh, which was, you know, really one of the first trades the UFC has ever done. And he came over, he made a lot of noise. He was, you know, he was great for the promotion. He was a part of every interview, every media day. He was on Ariel Hawani's show over 10 times. Um, I mean, honestly, he made George Masvidal a gigantic star with that vicious knockout and, you know, the back and forth leading up to that fight. So, yeah, one year, I mean, Ben Askren caused a lot of chaos in the UFC and really made a big statement. And, you know, unfortunately, things didn't go his way. But, I mean, the reality is after the Robbie Lawler fight, he was... If he beat George Masvidal, he would have got a title shot. And, you know, that's crazy for a 35-year-old that has never never made it to the MMA or to the UFC to, you know, get that shot. And the reality is he just he came up a little short, but there's no shame in it. I think he'll still go down as probably one of the best MMA grapplers of all time. Um, and, yeah, Great career. I mean, incredible career from Ben Askren. And in his prime, he was one of the most dominant, you know, fighters of his era. He was just, he was someone that would get on top of you and you couldn't get him off of you. And he would just beat you to death. And, um, yeah, if you go back and watch some of his Bellator fights, they're just super impressive how he's able to completely neutralize, you know, world-class fighters like, you know, Douglas Lima or Andre Korshkov, people like that, that, you know, you see what they've done in Bellator, you know, since he left. It's really, really impressive. Um, future plans, he says he's going to stay around. You know, he'll help coaching. I think he's helping Macy, Macy Barber out, uh, which we've talked about Macy Barber before. But she has the potential to be a huge star. She's 21 years old. And with someone like Ben Askren in your corner, I think, you know, that could really go a long ways for her. So, you know, he plans on doing that. He said he's been approached, you know, a couple times about doing commentary gigs. And, I, you know, I think he'd be awesome at that. Obviously, when it comes to wrestling, I mean, he's an expert, one of the best wrestlers of his generation. So, yeah, great, great for Ben Askren. Hope he has nothing but great success in his retirement. Um, Rumble Johnson. Rumble Johnson was in the news. We talked about this before, but it's looking like a spring to summer debut for Rumble Johnson coming back to the heavyweight division. Uh, that's going to be super interesting to see how Rumble Johnson looks at heavyweight. 
He was quoted as saying, as saying, I was trying to shoot for April slash May, but maybe June or July. We'll see. But whenever I come back, I'm going to make sure it's known. I want to come back and showcase everything and fight and just hurt people. So, yeah, Rumble Johnson going to be making a splash back in the heavyweight division. So that'll be very interesting to see who they match him up with. Um, I would love to see him versus Francis Ngannou at heavyweight or if John Jones moves up to heavyweight I mean I would love love to see Rumble versus John Jones that was a fight we never got back at light heavyweight so uh very interesting Rumble's in the news again let's see fights recently announced this week and then we will get out of here um Black Beast Derek Lewis making a return relatively short notice about four months um, he just fought a couple weeks ago, so he's making the quick turnaround against Alir Latifi. Alir Latifi's super talented fighter moving up from light heavyweight. Um, I mean, guy's just absolutely jacked. So it'll be interesting to see what he looks like at heavyweight. Uh, Black Beast is one of those guys that can just put you away. And I think his his last fight against Blagoy Ivanov is the best I've seen him look, you know, physically and just his gas tank looked awesome. He fought a much smarter fight. So it'll be interesting to see how he looks in that fight. That's a great matchup for him. Um, that's the card that John Jones is supposed to headline. So definitely going to try to make my way down there. Check that out. Um, and then last of all, Joanna and Weiling Zhang, the strawweight title holder right now, um, seems to be heating up. And I love that fight. I love, love, love that fight. So, yeah, Joanna came out. She said, anywhere, anytime, Bangkok, Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka, Warsaw, Toronto, doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter when, I will make my way. Even if I have to take a canoe, I will make it to China and beat the shit out of her. That was Joanna Young Jacek. She sounds like she is back. The Joanna boogie woman of old seems like she's back. Uh, Wei Ling Zhang re- responds. She goes, she seems angry, question mark. Don't worry. She will calm down. I'm ready now. Call my manager or call Dana. I'm ready. Let's go. So it seems like that's all but booked. Um, that's going to be a great fight at Strawweight. And then last week we talked about Rose is playing to make her comeback. So, yeah, Strawweight is about to get crazy. So, yeah, I think that's it. I think we covered a lot. Um, next couple weeks, we'll be diving into that December 14th card. That's going to be a huge card. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. So we'll start breaking that down uh, over the next couple weeks. But yeah, this is Parker Keen's MMA show signing off. This is episode number 14. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Continue to tune in weekly and please share it. Appreciate it. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, and visit Parker Keen's MMA show.podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.